Welcome to Marketing Week Meets the CX50 in partnership with Zone and Cognizant Digital Experience. My name is Russell Parsons, Editor-in-Chief of Marketing Week and Festival of Marketing, and I am your host. Over the past four years, Zone and Marketing Week have compiled a list of the UK's top 50 customer experience professionals, the CX50. And in this podcast series, we talk to members of this esteemed group about what puts them and their brands at the forefront of customer experience. We'll be meeting organisational leaders, brand guardians, disruptors, technologists and growth drivers, all members of this exclusive group. Joining us today is one of the CX50, Ursula Dalton, Chief Technology Officer of the British Heart Foundation. With several transformation projects under her belt, major financial services, consumer goods and automotive brands, she joined BHF from Citibank in 2013, leading the charity's efforts to make BHF a multi-channel entity, spearheading a digital experience for donors and partners in lockstep with marketing, a transformation that was accelerated during the pandemic. Alongside her, we have Roy Capon, Head of Digital Experience in the UK and Ireland for Cognizant and CEO of Zone. Two roles that put him in a good place to discuss the technology, employee experience, structure and mindset needed to deliver a meaningful experience for customers and colleagues. Roy, Ursula, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you very much. Ursula, let me begin with you. Uh, Often uh, when we discuss things, the clues in the name, marketing, we we talk to marketers about customer experience. Uh, Seldom uh, would we talk to CTOs, which is obviously what your job title is and your remit is very much about technology. So talk to us uh, for the benefit of everybody listening. Uh, Describe your role in delivery of CX. Thanks, Russell. Although I have the title CTO at the BHF, my role involves delivering anything and everything to do with technology for the BHF. But looking at it as a CTO, I feel I'm integral to the delivery of CX because the times when the role of the CTO was mainly concerned with the provision of internal resources gone, obviously with the rise of digital transformation, So I think it has developed into a more customer-centric position. Uh, In my case, I look at it from three angles. That's identifying technological innovations, um, leveraging uh, emerging technologies. So trends, uh, text trends such as omnichannel, machine learning and AI that is already shaping the customer experience now as well as in the future as they will reduce cost by driving efficiency and deliver excellence um, in customer service by driving effectiveness as well. Um, This other angle I look at is resolving challenging data issues in order to provide personalization. So this is by helping make sense of customer data by delivering up to date and the data in the right time at the, the right data in the right context. So every interaction can make best use of data to deliver the function, especially in an omni-channel environment. I can actually add a bit more to this by saying it's also to focus on that continuous um, improvement, improving those interaction processes and so on. Then the other angle I look at is the employee experience. Um, In the marketing terms, you may call it agent experience, but I look at it very much from an employee experience as well. It starts with uh, equipping your employees with whatever they need to provide a top-notch customer experience, including like better tools and software, enhanced training, 
and of course the right data at the right time. Russell, I can carry on uh, discussing about this, but I'm sure we'll we'll discuss a lot more in detail as well now. Thank you, Ursula. Both your uh, your remit sounds very. Uh deep uh, and wide and involved and actually does appear uh, in many ways uh, to be the kind of responsibility, the kind of outcomes that you are pursuing that marketers as well uh, would share. I mean, talk to me, we we will go through in a little bit more detail about technology and and its deployment, uh, perhaps even data and very much employee experience later. But just to dwell on how you work with uh, marketing and how you work with Claire, who's the senior marketer at BHF. Uh, talk to me about how that works, how you divvy up responsibility, the importance of that relationship. Of course, um, at the BHF, uh, the relationship with myself as the CTO and Claire Sadler as the CMO, or in our words, we call her title is Chief Executive Director for Marketing, Fundraising and Engagement because of the non-for-profit sector element here. It's an absolutely strong relationship. Actually, we truly work in partnership. Uh, we, we really work together to deliver that customer experience in a very collaborative manner and put in a lot of collaborative effort into it. We have a holistic plan where I understand that many moving parts must work together for customers to have that best experience possible. Most of that plan is all about collaboration. It's all about aligning all the business areas, especially Claire's business areas to understand and help deliver a better customer experience uh, as well as uh, properly implementing technology, the process design, the training and mentoring. We co-own and co-sponsor the digital strategy, the data strategy and a transformation program to review the BHF's marketing technology stack and we are in the process of upgrading elements of it to provide the personalization via omnichannel interactions. So we want to give that connected, consistent and differentiated experience that are born from closely aligned technology teams and marketing functions. So definitely uh, Claire and I work very much hand in hand in partnership and as I mentioned earlier, co-own and co-sponsor many initiatives. It seems like a sensible approach to have the person responsible for technology and the person responsible for customer uh, in lockstep, as I mentioned in my introduction, and working to the same ends, which is to better serve customers. But it's not always quite as straightforward. And Roy, if I can bring you into the conversation, some of the things that Ursula mentioned at the beginning, uh, AI, etc., do, in theory, present people with a lot of opportunity to deliver better experience. But they can, in the wrong hands, just be simply shiny new things and technology for technology's sake. So how do you advise people listening to be able to make sure that tech and CX strategy is aligned with brand and more importantly is in service of customer because technology is only the beginning point. How do you make it work for a better experience, would you say? Yeah, I think as Ursula identified, you know, her her role, which potentially was, you know, 10 years ago was quite narrow as a CTO, has become quite expansive now. It spans much more broader areas of the whole organisation. And I think that is part of the challenge. I think the creation of the experience is so intertwined, it's almost quite hard to 
pick it apart and, and put it in sort of compartments, if you like. So if the broad definition of CX is about how you make the customer feel as they experience your product or service, it has to be, of course, relatable to the brand, right? The, the experience should be an expression of the brand, ultimately, its, it's values and its personality. It should, you know, my experience with a Lloyds Bank, for example, uh, should feel different from my experience with a Starling Bank because they, have, they come from a different set of values and a different type of personality. And I think then how the experience manifests itself or how it's enabled is more than often through the application of technologies, right? And so I think all of these things will ladder up to how actually is the experience delivered. And I think the complex part for organizations is actually how, how do you orchestrate that? So I think that's the challenge. And, and you know, not to sort of talk in tautology for you today, Russell, but we kind of say like, it's, it's how the experience is orchestrated is the experience in some ways. So that's not just how the customer feels or the experience they have at that specific touch point with the brand but it's more about how does the organization enable that experience? And that's just not through technology. And it's as Ursula you know, identified through people, processes, and systems. It's the enablement layers of the organization, if you like. And so if come back to the essay question, because I sort of preambled <laughs> somewhat to get there, CX is the proverbial tip of the iceberg, that there's so much more to the customer experience and how it's delivered that the customer can't see or feel. And that all sits inside organizations. And then, you know, and to, I think to us points, that requires then broad alignment through all the organizational structures, you know, through technology, through brand and content, through data, into processes. And if you want that alignment, you know, you really need a, a really clear vision as an organization and you need to articulate the strategy, to Ursula's point, you need to articulate the strategy that enables the organisation really to join up all those seemingly complex dots. I think what, you, what you've done is uh, is perhaps articulate the hook. The nub of the matter really is the how. How do you orchestrate? What you've just described there is about articulation to make sure that everybody is on the sage page and understands what the end game is. But is there anything else uh, is it a question of technology? Is it a question of culture? Is it a question of all of those things? If you were giving people a checklist of of what to do and how to do it, more importantly, how to do this, what 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 key things do they need to look out for? If I can start with you and then I'll get your experiences at BHF and before Ursula, but Roy first, what else can people check off and what do they need to do to deliver this? Yeah, well, like I said, it's, it's how do you actually combine all of those kind of core elements? And again, if you start to, to unpack it, you know, so the organization should be there to deliver on, on that experience itself. And the first port of call within that is then the employees. And so actually, then you then get to, okay, what's the employee experience that enables that customer experience? And so once you're on the inside of the organization, you know, this notion of sort of front to back, if you like, is what tools are you putting in place for those employees to better enable that experience what tools are you giving them that makes their life easier so they can spend more time with customers on those tools are then built platforms those tools are then built on technologies underpinned through data sitting on a series of business processes right so that's almost like the stack that you need to get your head around and then you know the thing that has to bind that together then like i said is a very clear vision that's pulling people on a journey. And, and it's not just a vision that sits in a PowerPoint deck. It's some, something that has to be clearly articulated across the whole organization from the person on the shop floor through to the boardroom 
and everybody else in between, right? That's the hardest thing is actually, you know, you're sort of driving that through the whole organization, if you like, and enabling that through the connection of all those layers and dots. It's, um, it is a job of, uh, well, internal marketing uh, before external marketing begins. Thank you, Roy. Ursula, if I could bring you in on this point of uh, around employee experience, you mentioned it right at the top that it was something that you were particularly concerned with. VHF. So how does it come to light? Roy mentioned tools there, tools to enable people and to make sure that you are delivering a good employee experience, which in turn will allow people to deliver a better customer experience. So talk to me practically how you are doing that and have done that at VHF. Uh, definitely, Russell. Um, I mean, as uh, Roy mentioned, I mean, total agreement is that it's stacking element. I think from that uh, employee element, uh, every employee should have that customer-centric mindset because it's it's almost that customer obsession. At the BHF, everything we do is to generate income through the generosity of the general public to do research related to heart and circulatory diseases and provide support to people impacted with heart and circulatory conditions. So it's important that it is at the forefront of every employee's mind because every kind of interaction that the support we provide is that customer centricity that we have to really keep in mind so to do that it's important to provide the right tools and i mentioned data as well it's like so they can make informed decisions give provide that informed guidance and all of this has to come again from that top down as well from that executive level with setting the right strategy the operating model so employees can make those informed decisions along with that guidance we provide them so at the bhf that's really core cool for us um, hence the reason that uh, the cmo and myself we are very much driving that uh, the, the strategies together because uh, we always know if employees are satisfied, morale is up, we provide the right customer service. I mean, how does that work for people who are in the public eye, those that work in the shops? Because they're volunteers, right? I mean, they're giving up their time. Um, I mean, you talk about employee, I don't want to get down to pedantics, but they're technically volunteers, as I understand it anyway. So they're buying into BHF, so you've got a good start there. But uh, is there any challenge there because you're not paying them? Or is it actually maybe even easier because they're giving up their time for a cause that they believe in? It's a combination of things. I mean, you're so right. We operate, our shops operate predominantly with the volunteer base and even fundraising activities. That's why the brand is so important that brand loyalty is so important so we make sure that every employee when especially in the shops as well when they interact with any of these volunteers they have they treat these volunteers in our minds it's, it's almost like a customer treat them with that experience so you can put them into that employee experience or customer experience because it's that interaction we, we want to make sure everybody who interacts with the bhf in whichever manner or form has that seamless that same experience and they feel brand loyal they feel valued and, and that's the key thing it's win their hearts and minds and that's our focus thank you for that just one um, thing i want to just return to that you've mentioned a couple of times ursula that's uh, around data and the responsibility and oversight that you have i mean data is 
one of the key challenges and opportunities amongst all marketers in all sectors. If you have data, you are blessed. If you have first party data, sorry, you have even more so. Uh, but then what to do with it to deliver a better experience is difficult because managing it in the volume that it now exists and making decisions that have humans at the end and in mind is even more difficult. So talk to me about some of the challenges that you've faced and some of the ways that you've overcome use of data um, in pursuit of a better experience. When I look at data, uh, Russell, it's I, I look at that resolving the challenging data issues in order to provide that personalization. So uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, this is by helping make sense of customer data, by delivering up-to-date data in that right time, in the right context. So every interaction can make best use of data to deliver their functions, especially in that omnichannel element. So BHF, we haven't had that right data in the past. So we are in the process of making sure that we we, are, we have the right data. We're providing that omnichannel experience. Hence the reason we're in the process of reviewing the whole marketing technology stack and upgrading the platforms where necessary and cleansing the data where necessary as well to get that personalization element right. Also using data to continuously improve processes, so effectively converting customer insights into new practices and resolving technological pain points. So we can provide that frictionless experience, allowing business units to implement like new technological processes and scale up existing ones. So driving success to the long term. So this is something that we have actually really identified a roadmap and, and got a plan. It's it's a maturity exercise, isn't it? It's a, we are starting at a point. Yes, we've got something here, but let's enhance that experience. Let's re- continuously improve that experience, and it's a journey BHF is going through at the moment. Roy, if I could bring you in on the uh, the question of data and the challenge around it, because the end game. Uh, should never be seen by the customer. The effort that goes into any attempt to deliver a better experience should never be obvious to people. But there's a lot of effort and work that goes in by brands to make sure that the data is managed and the data is best used and is exploited properly. I mean, what would be the kind of challenges that you see with your clients and what are the some of the ways that can be used and can be adopted by people listening to overcome some of those challenges around data? Yeah, again, I think Ursula touched upon this with regards to personalization specifically. So I think as everybody's sort of heightened expectations of experiences get more and more, there's more and more demand to have a better experience, right? And we look beyond categories now for those experiences, right? So I think my banking experience should really feel like Netflix. And so everybody's you know kind of on this race to improve the, that experience. And I think that's the challenge is how do you create then these sort of personalized experiences, but at scale, right? This is not one-to-one. This is, we're talking, how do you reach millions of people with these kind of personalized experiences? So that's the challenge. And you sort of lean, start to then lean towards, you know, kind of automation and AI, but really, you know, to the conversation we have, the backbone of that is really the the underpinning of the data. And I think there's a couple of things in the data there. It's, It's knowing not 
just what the customer or the employee is doing through all of the big signals that we get, my interactions on a site, I'm downloading this, I'm doing this, and I'm getting all the big data signals. But I think this is also, I think the side of what people call thick data. So the deep understanding of customers, the, the empathetic elements of it, the behaviors, the motivations that underpin some of that. And so I think it's marrying up those two sides of it, right? The empathetic data side of it, the thick data, and with the big data, that's one of the challenges. How do you create these personalized experiences by basically trying to drive some empathy at scale? That's extraordinarily hard to operationalize, I think, in organizations to, to enable that, that. But that's that's got to be, for me, the next, that's got to be the next level, right? It's got to be that empathetic experiences that companies can deliver at huge scale. I'm talking, you know, reaching tens of millions of people. It's a really nice expression and one I haven't heard before, uh, empathy at scale, because that's key here, isn't it? Because people are giddy with the opportunity and the possibility that data presents and also technology as well. But actually doing it in service of customers and doing it in an empathetic way that actually improves that experience is, is well, clearly a lot easier said than actually done and also Roy I think you said thick data which is something that I haven't heard before as well so that's two expressions two buzz phrases that we can together uh, we can together introduce to the marketing <laughs> lexicon so thank you very much for that. You're welcome. Um, actually, just coming back to you obviously the last couple of years 18 months to two years have been transformative for lots of organizations you at the BHF were faced like other retail outlets, retail brands, with the challenge of not having that channel available to them. Um, so how has that accelerated and made you think differently about customer experience? Perhaps that will stick with you and uh, that the BHF and yourself in uh, your future endeavours will, uh, will take away from the last couple of years. It's, um, I mean, BHF has definitely been through a massive t uh, digital technology transformation uh, journey and customer experience has been very much in the forefront of it. I think it, it started very much like, you know, before the last two years, we've had some very visionary people. But um, in the last two years, uh, when we went into the pandemic, we had just created actually um, the technology function by bringing in all these digital teams and it's the back office and the front office like teams together and also BHF created my position bringing that um, technology voice to the executive table to bring that to the surface as well so with all that coming together, I think that's where we've done really well. We've really brought together and uh, that partnership of the customer experience that uh, marketing activities, the brand activities and technology together. Even when we look at retail, when we look at our fundraising functions, when we look at how we actually interact with the general public all together, it's that omni-channel mindset and I'm really going to be using Roy your phrases of that empathetic you know, experience and all these um, phrases that you're using because I think that's that's the way we have to look going forward as well so from a BHF stance it's been an amazing journey in the past couple of years especially going from that very much of a face-to-face, in-person customer interactions to that overnight, mainly digital, you know, um, interactions. And uh, 
the teams, every employee, they just really accepted it and just just got on with it. And I think it's been such an amazing experience just to watch that transition. Uh, there are some positive outcomes and uh, that's absolutely one of them, the way that we're forced to act and think differently and to start again in many regards. Uh, there is certainly realisation that some of the old ways of doing things that were suddenly denied as actually probably weren't the right way of doing things in the first place. Roy, can I just get your take on that in terms of the pandemic and its legacy and with regards to customer experience? Is there anything that perhaps the people that you work with were forced to do differently that actually end up being a better way of doing things? I think the it, the pandemic accelerated most people's digital transformation journeys. You know, there's they're either in it or, or it's thrust upon them. And so they either had to get quicker at it or they had to start pretty damn quick. I think what it's helped to do, though, obviously, is that during those times as well, people had to get much better understanding of, of where to make the right investment choices to make the change and, and deliver on the outcomes. So I think those big, huge programs with massive spend behind them, I think suddenly it was like, okay, well, one, we got to go quicker. And how do we do that? And that's quite hard for companies to go at quicker speed to respond to markets. And so I think that's changed lots of dynamics inside organization in terms of the whole notion of launching something and then abandoning it of old is it's just gone away, right? It's actually, it's, it's launch, improve, 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 improve. Um, you know, you just can't let a thing sit there. And I think so that's changed sort of almost operating models and how organizations, you know, kind of release stuff and, and get quicker at releasing stuff and continue to improve. So you've got this whole rise of the product owner in such, which which probably didn't exist or existed in pockets, but probably didn't exist before the pandemic, where organizational structures now are have product owners, they have journey managers, if you like. We're still quite traditional in the way we most people organize themselves around, you know, acquisition or retention or around specific services. I think it's shifted how organizations look at themselves because that's all about the speed to market but also i think then it's it's come back to you know kind of where are we going to make the investment bets we're not going to get any more money for it so we've got to be much more prudent about where we spend and also at the same time what we get back from that spend so it's i think it's really focused people on doing the right thing rather than just sort of blanket spending of really concentrating their pockets of investment because they haven't got a finite back pocket basically Absolutely. I mean, focus, it should be a given or at least focusing on the right things that deliver the best outcomes for customer and company. But it is something that people talk to me about a lot in terms of what they were forced or how they were forced to focus and the positive legacy that's left. So thank you for that. Sticking with you, Roy, if I could just get your sense of changing customer expectations and even needs thinking forward. I hear a lot and I'm sure you do as well that expectations are changing not necessarily as a result of the pandemic perhaps they've evolved as a result but not the long-term trend is that people are more expectant more demanding i just wondered what you think is going to change or is changing and what's your best advice in terms of meeting that change yeah, I, th- I think we've, we've, we've touched on a few of them today, right? I think you know, that constant demand for improvement and continually deliver a better experience means you've got to shift that mindset of launching something, the new product or service is the start, it's not the end. So how are you constantly improving that product? And I think, like I said, organisationally, companies have historically struggled to do that. So that requires different structures. We've touched on personalisation, so I don't need to go there. I think the big one, the really big, hairy sort of, Thing on the table at the moment right now and i think we were chatting 
just before we entered into the recording is actually on the EX side. And I think right now the challenge for organisations is around the culture. I think we all knew how to create a sense of belonging when we're together, but the challenge now is actually how do you create a sense of belonging when we're apart? And that's really, really difficult, I think. And, and I think organisationally and, and culturally, we will all struggle with that because we're learning how do we actually build cultures now in a world of hybrid working? You know, that's a totally new challenge that we're sort of been thrown out faces. And I don't, nobody's got the silver bullet for this yet. And um, there's lots of conversations about that. But yeah, the cultural piece in the organisation and how you create a sense of belonging to the organisation when you're not in an organisation, there's no sort of wrapper for it as a as a building or a place to go. How do you do that? I think that's that's the real... Yeah, it's really the, interesting. It's yeah. fascinating. And something I think probably everybody listening uh, will hear and be challenged with at the moment. It's not just about what the office is for, but how to create a sense of belonging in an organisation where we all accept people won't always be together as one all of the time. Also, I mean, by all means, come in on that, uh, but also the question uh, that I began with Roy asking, which was around customer expectations and what's the thing that you think people need to be mindful of, uh, both if you can. I think starting with the uh, customer expectations, I would say, um, I mean, as we know, the customer expectations, especially 2021, has left little room for error when it comes to like customer experience, especially with social media has changed the definition of fast consumer technology, like has highlighted the expectations for service. As Roy mentioned earlier, even things like Netflix and all those things, it's like the expectations are really heightened now. Uh, then self-service options have created the self-sufficient consumers and all those things that more than anything, it's that always on culture that runs across that 24-7 service that impacts the customer side as well as the employee side because employees got to be available and have the tools, technology available to provide that 24-7 service to make sure that customers get that right customer experience as well. So I would say it's customers want to be interacting with all that 24-7 in that omni-channel. I mean, we've mentioned personalization a number of times. So it's how do we make sure we align that customer experience uh, with the employee experience. I think that's the angle I'm really interested in looking at as well. It's uh, because we always say, and it's the age old uh, thing that we know, uh, better, you know, happy employees actually provide cu better customer service because the morale is up and then that translate to that customer experience and all those things. But we just got to make sure it's done properly. It's actually given that right structure, the right support models, all of those things, because at the end of the day, that's how we as organizations can succeed. Wise words. Thank you very much, Ursula. I've got one final question for both of you, if I could. We all agree, I'm sure, that delivery of better experiences will help both differentiate your brand and ultimately lead to better outcomes, not only for the customers, but for the company as well. I'm sure we're all aligned on that one. But how should you measure success? Uh, there's obviously a big debate in marketing around the best measure to determine success for marketing communications. But what about customer experience? Roy, if I could ask you that question, how should people know that they're doing a good job in delivering a better experience? What measure should they use? 
Yeah, I think there's, you know, it's, it's interesting because if you sort of map out all the journeys, there are, you know, multiple measurements across that and you can you can measure those and track those and, and nudge the performance along no matter where they are in the journey. But I don't think it's necessarily the, the smaller ones, right? I think it's the job of CTOs or CMOs that you've got to ladder up to the proper business outcome, right? The, all the nudges along the journey, all the performance stuff is great, but how does it actually go up to the tangible business outcome? So I think you've got to look at the, the big chunky metrics, right? Like how are we delivering on customer lifetime value? I know we could have a long debate about NPS, Russell, and boards are obsessed with NPS, for good or for bad, you know, we can discuss the, the merits of that. But I think it's a responsibility of the organisation is to understand and create the link between how does good CX impact NPS? Because NPS isn't going to go away at boardroom level. So we need to be responsible to show actually how good CX can drive a better NPS outcome. I think it's really, again, about picking the right measures that ladder up to the broader organisational goals and making sure that's the focus. Not all of the, you know, don't sweat all the small stuff. It's the big stuff, I think, that people really need to focus on. Thank you. Uh, Roy, your thoughts on that, Ursula? Roy's got a really good point on that, the MPS element, because I think it's understanding, okay, what are we trying to achieve and how do we measure it? And almost working backwards, because that's something that myself, especially with the CMO that we do, okay, this is what we're trying to achieve. But then you linking that, okay, mapping that customer journey, mapping that these, this is what we're trying to achieve here and the metrics related to those things. And then myself and my team working at the technology functions, working together to make sure we have that right uh, technology delivery, the roadmap, the platforms, and it's done in a timely manner. So we meet those targets. So that's where it's so important to have that end-to-end view, but with that end targets in mind and making sure all that is measured. But it's those chunky measurements that are really important, aren't they? It's um, uh, to Roy's point. Thank you very much. Roy, you've got the hat trick there. Chunky measurement is another (laughs) new one to me. I'm going to steal all of these. These are ready-made feature ideas uh, to go alongside empathy at scale and thick uh, data. So thank you very much for that. I don't want that to be the only outcome. Uh, that people take away from uh, from this particular session because I've heard a lot of wise words from both of you. I mean, a lot of fundamentals really uh, that should underpin. Uh, if I can, uh, if I can call upon what you both just said uh, there at the end, uh, perhaps in different ways, but I think you were both agreeing with each other that you should absolutely work out what uh, you're trying to achieve, and that should obviously be a strategic underpinning, and then work out how you're going to do it, and that should be the approach to customer experience as well as measurement and strategy full stop so thank you very much for both of your inputs today it's been fantastic hearing from you both to everybody that listened thank you for taking the time until the next cx50 podcast goodbye from me goodbye from ursula and goodbye from roy thanks thanks you have been listening to marketing week meets the cx50 in partnership with zone and cognizant digital experience with me russell parsons This podcast was produced by Tim O'Donoghue at Bauer London Creative. Look out for the next podcast in the series with another member of the CX50. Until then, goodbye.